This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7, Georgia Beach, Kentucky, 30-13. to uh, We're going to talk about that, talk about a slow first half, talk about a little bit of a faster second half, kind of what that win means. 7-0, and heading into the bye week. Rusty, let's jump right into it, man. What are your thoughts on the win and, uh, and just kind of how it went for Georgia on Saturday? I don't know if you went down on – I know some of the guys sometimes go pregame on the sideline. Sometimes they don't. I know I didn't get a chance to see you, Jake, yesterday. But I'll tell you this, man. Kentucky was huge in person. I mean, their offensive line was massive. I'm not talking about, like, slobs. I'm talking about good-looking dudes. Now, I mean, these guys, if you'd have put them in red and black, you would have been able to tell the difference. They're Georgia, Alabama players. I was surprised the first uh, – you know, the first series when – Usually you're used to seeing Jordan Davis just tower over people standing there. Man, they were large. They were big. They were physical. Um, I talked to, a, you know, not an on-the-field staffer. I did talk to a staffer on the sideline just in pregame, and he goes, you know, this is going to be a slobber knocker. This is going to be a physical football team. You know, kind of Georgia had prepared for that all week long. That was a message from Kirby Smart and staff. Hey, this is going to be a physical in-between-the-box football game and, uh, you know, going back and look at it, it was kind of a – don't beat around the bush. That was a cheap score there uh, late. But I'll tell you this, Kentucky was a physical football team, and that's going to be good for Georgia down the line. They're going to play some other teams like that. But uh, when you look at Kentucky and what they got, I think when you go back when this draft comes up this year and next year, there's going to be a lot of Kentucky Wildcats that's going to be on these draft boards and stuff like that, especially – at offensive tackle, both of those guys they got are large human beings, and they look good in person. Now, Kip, you probably got a better look at it than any of us having a chance to kind of watch the telecasts and replays, angles, whatever. What stood out to you from the game? What did you take away from it? Um, overall, just that Georgia kept their composure. It, it, obviously, you know, the, the defense early on was uh, – was kind of loading up against the pass a little bit. I mean, they were they were basically saying you're not you're not going to beat us deep, and um, it was some tough sledding early on. But it, it kind of just shows me that again, Todd Monken's offense can kind of react to anything. You know, it's kind of um, very adaptable. I mean, they can if you're loading up one way, then they're prepared to do the other thing. And they're ready for that. They they can run the ball as many times as they need to. I mean, that one drive in the in the second half where it was just, you know, run after run after run. It was like what, like five for eighty-eight at at one point. And then you had another drive where it was just basically Stetson Bennett picking them apart. They can beat you so many different ways in, in this Monken offense, and it just 
it's just a credit to Todd Monk and having a full off season. I think that you're seeing kind of the, the benefit of that and the fact that you just cannot scheme against Georgia one way or the other. You have to be prepared to defend both equally or, or they're just going to, you know, slowly pick you apart over the course of a game. And I know people are, you know, looking at the score and, and thinking, you know, Georgia, you know, barely crossed the 30-point barrier, but Kentucky hadn't given up more than 28 points this year. They hadn't given up, you know, I think 408 yards is the high, and then uh, less than six yards uh, was the high as far as yards per play, and Georgia almost broke nine yards per play out there. So I, I think that it just – you got to give credit to this Kentucky team. It's probably the best Kentucky team I've seen in the last, I don't know, 15 years and in, in a team that we said – was really, really strong on the offensive line and and pretty good across the board. And uh, Georgia, went, they took care of business. It wasn't as close as the scoreboard. Obviously, as Rusty pointed out, them scoring late. It took the one drive. It took everything Kentucky had to score on Georgia, that one drive before. I mean, half, they, everything, they threw out the kitchen sink on one drive against Georgia. And credit to, to their offensive uh, coordinator, uh, Cohen. Uh, outstanding job he did there, but... I mean, Georgia took everything they had and, and they were pretty much prepared for everything and, and did and did pretty well in this game. You know, I, I look at the last two games and there are five scoring drives, two field goal drives, three touchdown drives. And all of them have one thing in common. It was it was listen, I'm not saying Georgia could 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 take this defense to the NFL and, and do anything with anybody right now. I'm not saying that. But it, as it relates to college competition, those are NFL-like drives. You're seeing guys having to throw balls into tight windows. You're seeing uh, guys having to run their, you know, run their uh, routes to the sticks and just get across. And um, everything is a is a challenge. And, and it's almost like the offenses are frantic. It's almost like there there's a little bit of a desperation mode, uh, you know, going into that thing. And and it's it's pretty it's pretty telling how good that Georgia defense is. One of the things I took away from you, I didn't think Georgia played all that great. You know, I thought they played, you know, a good game, a solid game, a game definitely well enough to beat a good football team. But I didn't think Georgia was clicking. I didn't think Georgia came out fast like it has in previous games. I didn't think it executed at a high level on defense. I didn't think it tackled very well in the front seven. I thought the DBs tackled really well. And that was a big reason why Kentucky couldn't get anything going as far as a big play goes. Wondell Robinson, I think, caught like, I don't know, 40 balls and, and you know, for like 48 yards or something like that. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was – he touched the ball so many times. You could tell that they wanted to try and get him to bust loose and Georgia wouldn't let it happen. Um, you know, I look at the play calling – on that, on the drive, on the second touchdown drive, you know, Georgia gets a holding penalty on first down. It's first and 20. They go with this delay pin and pull type deal that, I mean, was just really impressive. I thought it was, you know, really got Kendall Milton going 35 yards, barely stepped out of bounds, may not have. I don't know if he did or not. It's tough to say from looking at it, but they ruled him out of bounds. And then run, 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 touchdown. And, and that was a big one for Georgia to get that one on the board. And then, you know, you look at their, you know, like I said, Kentucky's touchdown drives, 22 plays, 13 plays. Uh, Georgia only ran 47 plays in this game, 47 plays, 22 minutes time of possession. And if you're going to win a game like that, if you're going to win a game like that by three scores, you're going to need to do what Georgia did, which is nine plays of 20 yards or more. Coming into the game Saturday, guys, 
Kentucky had allowed 12 plays as a defense of 20 yards or more. Georgia had nine in one game against them, okay? Coming into the game, Kentucky, like Kip said, was averaging just like a little over six yards a play. Georgia goes for over 400 yards on 47 plays. That 8.85 yards per play, I believe it was, that Georgia averaged would, you know, if you project that on a national level for the season, I think it's number two in the nation to Coastal Carolina. So that's how good of an offensive performance it was. And, and and you know, yeah, Georgia didn't have enough plays, enough opportunities because of time possession to do big things with it, but they were able to to make the most of what they did have, and, and that was, uh, you know, to put up 30 points. Rusty, if you had to pick an MVP for that game, would it be <laughs> the guy that you picked going I into the game? I can't get past Derek uh, Durham here. He said, Rusty, blink twice if we – You started blinking a ton of times. I mean, I'm like – I'm like, I'm trying not to blink. I'm trying not to nod. I'll just put you this way, Charles and Derek and everybody here. Glad to have you guys. It was a good weekend at Athens. So we'll see if how things uh, play off here the next week or so, next couple of days, and then as we get into this class. But this is one of those weekends when you go back and look at things, this might have been a weekend where some, you know, the Georgia was able to to land some guys that, that uh, you know, they'll end up in this class at, at some point. But uh so now that I got that out of the way, Jake, can you ask me a question again there? I couldn't get to you because I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't get off of those. I'm trying not to blink, you know. I'm trying not to nod. MVP. So, MVP. Well, we talked about Brock Bowers. That was my pick. Um, you know, Going in. I, I think I finally got one. Like, I'm one for 50 Nailed now. It. But I was standing there uh, probably on about the five or six, and Brock Bowers caught that second touchdown that he caught where he just turned around the ball was there. The angle I was at, Stetson Bennett threw it, and I thought, man, he threw it away because uh, he had some immediate pressure. I thought he just threw that ball away. And I'm telling you, Bowers flashed so quick. But when he literally – on TV, you could see he turned around. The ball was in his hand, basically. He couldn't see the ball until before it got there. But, I mean, it, it was crazy because I had a perfect angle. I'm sitting there literally five feet from this thing. I'm on the sideline there. and shooting pictures and I couldn't even get my camera up so quick to take a picture that's how fast that happened but for him to be able to turn around that quick and just see the ball for a split second ball skills um you know the touchdown the the, the big play that got called back on that hold and you saw the explosion of Brock Bowers I mean that was a little dig route little curl route he beats one guy goes to the sideline and turns that thing up for a touchdown that was eventually called back but he's some special man and Brock Bowers I, I felt like and, and he did. Jake, you had an elevated view, so you probably saw a little better than I did. But they were very aware of Ladd McConkie yesterday. I mean, they were rolling some coverages to him. So I felt like that was going to free up some things in the middle. When you start putting a guy over the top, people like that, and you know where you're at, know where that guy is at all times, somebody else is going to benefit. So, you know, Ladd McConkie may not have got the touches yesterday, but somebody else got him, and that somebody else was Brock Bowers. Well, if you notice on Brock Bowers' first touchdown catch, uh, Stetson wanted to go to to Lab McConkey on the post, and la- it was about to be a layup. It was going to yeah. be like a just put it out there, let him go get it. He'll have some time to wait on it type deal. Kentucky guy reaches up and grabs him, and then Stetson kind of has to go somewhere else with the football. And luckily, he made a really good throw to Brock Bowers, who who made a really good play on it. Uh, but you know, still Lab McConkey, I mean, kind of shows you how versatile he is. He still found a way to touch the ball twice and put up thirty yards for you. Uh, and and you know draw you know draw a penalty there so he, he still had a really uh, nice game productive game Kip if you can't go with Brock Bowers versus this kind of the elimination game here who would you go with for uh, for MVP in that one 
Man, that's tough. But you know what? We we always, you know, in our player of the game predictions, we do tend to lean toward the offensive guys. And I mean, it's easier for those guys to have kind of statistical standout performances. But, you know, I I, I got to go to N'Kobe Dean. Just, you know, even though Jalen Carter was incredible out there and just so disruptive, you know, that play where N'Kobe Dean read that screen and went through three blockers to get the ball carrier uh, to save a touchdown there. I mean, that was, that was an NFL. I mean, that, that was an elite play, just his ability to diagnose and break down a play and then just get in there, you know, in traffic and, and, and make the tackle. Uh, it was stellar. It's just one of those, you know, award type plays that you look on at the end of the season and, and just still shake your head at, you know, how well he was able to to track down the ball there. And, you know, it's tough because obviously Georgia's just coming off having their, their, you know, their most decorated linebacker basically in program history. So he gets all those comparisons to Roquan Smith made every week. But I mean, it's tough to really dodge him when you and we see a game like that and you just see how well he is as far as just tracking the ball and how quick he is and, and just figuring out where he needs to be. I, I just think that he stepped up his level of play and, you know, it's that third year, you know, uh, playing in the system, you, you really start to see the light come on for the, for these inside linebackers. And I think that's, that's just where Kobe Dean is right now. He's he's playing as well as you know any defensive player in the country, and I, I think that his performance out there is a big reason why Georgia has yet to allow 14 points in in their first uh, seven games. Which that stat was crazy that the the 1992 Alabama team was the the last team to to not allow 14 points in their first uh, first seven games. So. You know, the, the fact that the stat before the game, that there were over 100 teams that have uh, allowed over 33 points this year. And, you know, Georgia has yet to allow uh, 14. I just think that it's it's just a, you know, we got to tip our cap to these defensive guys, even though uh, player of the game, we, we kind of lead heavily toward the the offensive guys so far this year. And Nicobe's just really, really doing an excellent job in all facets of, of, of the defense. Yeah, I, I definitely think those two guys are deserving. You mentioned Jalen Carter, another guy I, you know that I would also consider. I, I'm going to have to say, and, and Dogs, Dog 57 nailed it here, uh, the guy that I was going to pick is Kendall Milton. Um, the 35-yard run was big, but nowhere near as big as that recovered fumble. Just a heads-up play there. Um, even he didn't look like it, you know, he was frantically trying to get to the ball like he knew it was a fumble. But just a heads-up play for him to jump on it like that because, yeah, Georgia gained eight yards. Georgia also – maintain possession georgia scores a touchdown on the very next play i mean this could be like a grinded out thumb in your eye type game um if he doesn't make that play and and i think that was that was a really big one for georgia in that i think kendall milton deserves some props for it because i left him out of my game ball story like an idiot and uh, i should have put him in there but i didn't let's take a break here real quick on the other side we're going to talk about kind of what's next for georgia what's next for us this week and and what's going to go on during the bye 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Rusty, outside of healing up, which we all know how important it is. And, you know, hey, all right, Audible here real quick. Before I ask that question, I'm going to give kind of like as far as I know it, jump in, guys, if you hear anything that you don't agree with. But this is what I'm kind of looking at going into the bye week as far as injuries. Jermaine Burton and Marcus Rosenby Jack Saint both got into the game on Saturday. They barely played, maybe a couple, two or three snaps apiece. Those guys are on track to be back after Florida. Big news. JT Daniels was out there throwing the ball, you know, 35, 40 yards, looked pretty effortless in the process. He was taped up, looked like he was ready to go if he was needed on Saturday. I would say there's a good chance he's going to be available after the Florida game. Arian Smith's on the men, don't really know kind of what's going on there. I know he's improved a lot in the last couple weeks, which is a really good thing there. That injury was a little bit more serious than I think it was originally thought. Uh, but but he's a guy that I think has a chance to come back. Uh, Jamari Sawyer played on Saturday. I don't think there's anything wrong with there. And starting to really think that he may – we got a question about it a minute ago, and I think, you know, my, my answer to that is I think Jamari settled in at left tackle. I just think that's the way that's going to be. Jamari's probably not going to move inside unless he absolutely has to or they absolutely need him to. Uh, Chris Smith, listen, that guy was running around, thudding guys up pregame. I think he probably could have played if they would have wanted to play him, if they needed him to play. But they went with Dan Jackson. Dan Jackson got it done. I think Chris Smith will probably also be back for the Florida game. Um, Don't know anything about George Pickens. Would not even try to guess. Would not try to guess on Dominic Blaylock. Um, And then pretty much everybody else, maybe Amir Speed is a guy that they could get back for the Florida game. Uh, So Georgia's got a lot chance to get a lot healthier, provided there are no more setbacks. With that said, Rusty, outside of healing – what does Georgia need to get done during this bye week? Where is this football team at in terms of, of obviously rest and recovery is important, but if you're, if you had to pinpoint one thing, what would you say? You got to get better at this. Uh, just, I don't know. Get better. I, I just stay in your lane, stay focused. You know, you're number one, you're going to hear all this, uh, you know, not, listen, these are 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old men and, and young men. And I don't care how many times Kirby smart says, I don't care how many times, you're going to peep at the news. You're going to peep at social media. You know, everybody's got Georgia penciled in right now as a playoff team to the SEC championship, all those things. Uh, you got to stay focused, stay in your lane, continue to do every single week. You know, I've said if they're elite, they're going to do this. Well, they've checked every one of those boxes off. And this is one of those boxes to me uh, during a bye week. You stay focused. Um, you got to get healthy. This team, this team desperately needed um, you know, desperately needed uh, a bye week, incredibly needed a bye week. And, um, 
you know, you look at uh, getting some guys back. I think Amir Speed's a guy that they need, they need to get him back, and Chris Smith as well. Just so much experience there. Uh, it helps so much, you know, with defensively what they're about to face with Florida uh, in two weeks. So, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of, you know, having to tune in or having to kind of X and O and do this and do that. It's getting this team healthy, keeping this team focused, and getting them ready for this stretch run. You know, Jake and Kip, we're on week seven. So we're going through, we're complete week seven. So Georgia's seven and oh. And uh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's pretty good little long season here. And I was riding home last night and thinking if Georgia is going to do what they've got an opportunity to do, they got eight more games. Eight more games. I mean, and that is insane to think about that they would have eight more to get to that game 15. And, um, you know, some a, a month of December of an SEC championship game, you'd have playoff, right? Then you'd have a bowl game. And if you won that, you would have another week of this. So, you know, people say football flies by and we all love it. We all get, we get to do it, cover it for a living. But when I thought about that last night, I was thinking, man, because I was thinking the stretch run. You know, here we are to Florida. Here's that stretch run. There's that last kind of 25% of the season. And then I thought, wait a minute, they got eight more games to go if this team's going to play 15. So it's crazy how much football potentially this team could have left. Absolutely. Eight more games, three more months. I mean, it's it's a grind. There's a lot left on the table. I mean, there's more in terms of time with, for the months the time and, and all that. There's more left. Same for games, too. Georgia wants to go where it wants to go. There's more left in terms of months and games than they've already put down. And it's already kind of been well. I've covered a 15 game season before, and that is an absolute grind. I didn't have an intern or nothing, you know, <laughs> back and forth to LA than to cover a national championship game. So thankful that thing was in Atlanta. That was a grind. So uh, it was, and saw two of the best football games I've ever seen in person that we're season. Not, so lucky we're to not, do it. We're not going to jump ahead, but like it was surprised me that the national championships in Indianapolis this year. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, Indy, I definitely noticed places, that. I mean, that's a, that's not the, the destination you start thinking about, but um, I don't know how well that would go if potentially somehow, some way, Georgia and Alabama locked horns up in Indianapolis, you know, in, in the middle of Big Ten country. That would be kind of – that would be a little bit hey, – that, Hey, that's, that's a sweet little airport to fly into. I went there for the Notre Dame game a couple years ago when everybody else went to Chicago. Mm-hmm. That horseradish, uh, uh, that uh, cocktail sauce at uh, – St. Elmo's is no joke. St. Elmo's. Blue flames coming out my nose, okay? So I'll be going to St. Elmo's a couple times if that happens. Uh, but, Kip, what would you say – you're a pretty analytical guy, pretty big into the nuance. What happens? What's Georgia got to improve upon during this bye week? Well, like Rusty said, it's not even really the halfway point if, if Georgia's going for the ultimate goal of playing, you know, and, and winning that final game of the college football season. You know, the good aspect is that – Guys like Keely Ringo and, and, and even Dan Jackson getting all this experience. You know, the, the the positions that have been banged up have actually afforded, you know, Georgia the ability to play some other guys. We talk about the receivers that have making up been making a lot of plays that haven't been household names because they're first and second year players. You know, that's gonna benefit them in that second half, just already knowing they can get that done. But for me, man, it's 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 about cleaning up a lot of things that were sloppy in this game. I mean, obviously, Kiaris Jackson did not have his best day on special teams. You know, that's something you want you want to work on. I know Jake Camardo had a good average in the game, but he still had that one shank that it gave Kentucky, you know, midfield 
field position uh, the one time. Obviously, Podlesny missing the extra point. You hate to see that. So special teams, you want to clean that up. But for me, it's kind of figuring out which direction you're going to go with the offensive line. You got a bye week. You already had to do a little bit of musical chairs with, with the injury there to Tate Ravage. And so now if you're going to make a move at left tackle, this feels like the week to do that. You know, if, if Broderick Jones, if you're going to deem him ready and you're going to, you know, move Jamari Sawyer inside, you would think this would be kind of the week to figure out if that's your best five up front. You know, Justin Schaefer had a stretch of really strong games, but then, you know, in, in this game, he had that one hold that obviously wiped out the, the 59 yard touchdown. And then, you know, you had Xavier Trust just running 15, 20 yards downfield uh, and taking away more yards from Brock Bauer. So I don't think he's going to be taking the O-line out to dinner this week uh, w- with the plays there. But, you know, that's the thing. Georgia's offensive line is 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 definitely been hot and cold all year. It seems like they've typically done a, you know, a better job in pass protection so far this year. Than, than really, you know, in the run game, except for a drive here and there where they really just start moving some guys. I just think that's kind of the unit where you want to figure out who your best five are during this bye week. It's, I mean, obviously with Florida coming in, you, you want to know who your guys are. But just for that second half of the season, you know, if you have everyone healthy, then you just you want to know who your best five are. And I just think that's definitely going to be a focus for Matt Luke and this coaching staff in the next couple of days. Yeah, I, I agree with you for sure on that. If the, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I just I don't get the sense from what we've seen that it is uh, could. I mean, wouldn't shock me. Uh, you know, if they feel like they can get better at guard by moving Jamari Sawyer down there, and they don't they're not giving up too much at tackle, then then they'll do it. I thought Broderick Jones played really well against Auburn. We, we've I think we've all said that at one point. Um, I don't. I'm kind of in the rusty boat here. Is this may not necessarily be somewhere Georgia can get better, but I think one thing Georgia has to work on during this bye week is doing a better job of of boxing in and finishing against mobile quarterbacks. Um, I'm not saying. I mean, listen, they've given up you know 23 points in two weeks to mobile quarterbacks. Okay, they haven't been you know locked up, but I do think that that. Um, you know, AR-15 uh, over at Florida, Richardson is a better runner than anybody they faced this year. And, you know, I watched, I watched his game against, uh, against LSU yes, uh, earlier today, and I came away thinking, you know, K.J. Jefferson, except maybe a little faster. I don't know that he's as good a quarterback as K.J. Jefferson is right now. I think K.J. Jefferson may be, with the experience and everything, a little bit more prepared. Uh, to at least to take care of the football, but but I think Georgia's got to do a better job of finishing when they get there, because you can really when you put those mobile quarterbacks behind the chains, that's when it gets dangerous for them because that's when they like to try and run around and do a little bit too much with it, and you can get a turnover or you can get another sack and really back somebody up, and so I think if Georgia can really hone in on that, they've got a chance to do it this week. Uh, during the bye week, during the week of preparation. You know, they won't just – one thing you got to understand about this too, Georgia's not going to start preparing for Florida tomorrow, okay? They'll have a light practice tomorrow, but they're not going to jump in and start protect, worried about Florida yet. They probably won't do that until Wednesday at the earliest, probably Thursday. They'll get a little bit of a head start on that 
but not a big one. They'll spend a couple, two or three days here just looking in the mirror, just getting better at the fundamentals, giving some young guys some reps, which is another, I think, big key for this team is to get Javon Bullard ready to play, is to get Nylon Green maybe ready to play, to get uh, you know Smile Munden, Jamon Dumas Johnson, those guys who, who may end up having to play big snaps. Uh, you know, getting some of those guys ready to play, and they'll get an increased you know workload this week, especially if they're going to try and give some other guys some rest and and recuperation. But I think you know definitely getting in and and working on you know the your your schemes and your execution of keeping those uh, mobile quarterbacks kind of boxed in. Uh, guys, let's talk a little bit about kind of what we got coming this week. We're going to do a show, not a, not 100% if we're going to do one more show this week or two more shows this week. We're trying to figure that out right now. We know we're going to do a mailbag show. We want to do a story time type show. Where we can talk some recruiting stuff. And we also want to do a mid-season recap where we're going to uh, where we're going to basically hand out some superlatives and talk about, you know, stuff like most unsung heroes and, and you know, uh, MVPs and you know, stuff like that. And and so we're going to get into all that, but we're, we're definitely going to be back with you at least one more time this week, hopefully twice. And, uh, you know, we'll, but it won't be tomorrow because Georgia will not have a media day. There won't be any Kirby Smart availability. So we're kind of skipping the Monday portion. Um, and and uh, we'll uh, keep your eyes on social media. Subscribe to the channel. Set them notifications, okay, so that you can know where the, when we're coming. And uh, we'll be back with you uh, later on this week. Rusty Kip, got anything to say to these folks before we let them go? Go Braves. Go, go Braves. Braves. Go Braves. And, uh, Dig out of that. Congratulations team. Oh, to uh, – I forgot last week to congratulate James Cook for, for breaking into the 1,000-yard rushing club. And uh, he's he's got, uh, I think, 1,001 rushing yards. You know, and as far as 1,000-yard uh, career rushers at Georgia, only, only DeAndre Swift is – has averaged more yards per carry than James Cook. He's he's coming on pretty strong the last couple of weeks, and uh, he's got a chance to catch DeAndre. Uh, I think DeAndre averaged 6.6 .6 yards. He's right at 6.5 yards. So uh, just congratulations to James Cook. He's uh, it's looking pretty strong out there, getting tougher and tougher to tackle each week. Good call, Kip. Good call. All right, guys, we will be back later on this week. But for this episode, I'm Jake Rowe with Dolls 24-7. Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. You guys take it easy. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.